Hello and welcome to this special bonus edition of Beyond the INC, the keen podcast that also likes to think of itself as a catalyst in encouraging new relationships. We cut short our weekend break to look back on an evening with Beyond the INC, which took place in London on Thursday. Joining us in the squat will be a very special guest who we've flown over from Berlin to discuss the influence of that German city on the album. We'll be reading out some of your verdicts on Perfect Symmetry and getting all statistical with your figures. So sit back and feel really very lucky indeed. Because we're going to go for a little weekend break behind the scenes of An Evening With Beyond the INC. Evenings On Thursday evening, over 100 Keen fans descended on London's Great Portland Street, where we played them Perfect Symmetry in full for the first and then the second time. Having kept the venue secret until the very last minute, we eventually welcomed you guys to the Plush 229 Club for an evening of entertainment. Now, for those of you who made it along, we really hope you had a great night. But for those of you who didn't, we'll be reliving the event in full. So, um, we kicked off the evening by playing some of our favourite tracks at the moment. I threw in some uh, David Ford, some Liz Fair, and, and some Robin. And I dropped LCD Sound System, uh, Albert Hammond Jr. and Dr. Dre. It was a good start to the night. Oh, that was you? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> good times. Uh, we also created a special programme for the night, which I guess we'll put up on the website as a PDF sometime. And when we put that together, we threw in some highlights from the blogs, uh, the ones that the band have been doing for the last sort of eight months or so. Um, a countdown of uh, sort of the very best of our true facts, and also some special exclusive nonsense of our very own. Yep, in amongst that was a list of 11 influential tracks that were on the band's stereo throughout the sessions for this record. Now that included the sort of, uh, the likes of Blondie, uh, Cat Power, Simon and Garfunkel, uh, The Boss was on there, uh, Ting Tings. Um, we basically thought it would help everyone sort of get into the right frame of mind for the record, the sort of the, the mindset that the band were in. Yep, yeah, so having set the tone for the evening, it was about time for the main events. Evenings The premiere showing of The Making of Perfect Symmetry was given a rousing reception by our audience. Yeah, there was lots to laugh at, such as that final reveal of who it was who was inside that polar bear costume. There was Tom delivering the vocals for My Shadow while spinning on an office chair. Tim skewering Tom's stage patter. And lots more gold that we just couldn't possibly spoil for you. If the night did one thing, it was probably to sell more copies of the deluxe album. The documentary's well worth the extra. And then our main event. The CD had been escorted down to the venue by a burly gentleman and held under guard in a locked booth at the back of the room. Yep, until we gave the word to press player and away we went. Evenings As spiralling kicked off the three tracks that we all already know, uh, there was some dancing, some singing along, lots of people just enjoying the first chance to hear the, the full edit of the song, uh, rather than the neutered radio edit that the band gave away for free, or uh, the version of Better Than This without Steve Lamack uh, nattering over the end. Yeah, but I mean, by the time we got to track four, which is You Haven't Told Me Anything, there was uh, a bit more silence as people started actually listening and making notes. Now, um, we asked everybody in the venue to write out their thoughts on a questionnaire that we gave them, um, just so that we could uh, pass these thoughts on to you when we recorded the podcast. Yeah, so let's run through them on a track-by-track -track basis. Let's, uh, let's give you a, a flavour of their thoughts. Um, what we'll do is we'll go through track-by-track -track and read out the name of a contributor, and then we'll give you their views. 
Okay, let's start off with track four, You Haven't Told Me Anything. This is the, the one that people, uh, the first track on the album that people hadn't heard yet. Um, we're going to start off with the thoughts of our average fan, uh, Adam, or, or Vanky as he prefers to be known. He, uh, he came down to the squad a couple of weeks ago. Um, not, a ma- not a huge fan in the same way that a lot of people are, but owns the first couple of records and does like you know his music generally. Now, he gave You Haven't Told Me Anything 7, and he writes, it's almost a lo-fi sound. Uh, he enjoys that, that sort of impatient beat. There's something insistent about this track, but it's no great shakes generally. And I think that's that's sort of a mood that, that's reflected by a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the one that people were most unsure about, uh, for, for sure, yeah. In terms of vibe, it's um, it's very, very different from uh, from what people would expect of Keen. It reminds me of a, a track by The Cure called um, A Forest. It's very sort of dark and driving. Um, and I can really re- I can remember the bass line very vividly now, um, but it's it's very far away from that sort of that deep piano-y sustain sound mm-hmm. that that Keen have made famous. You can really hear the deep booming bass that was recorded from across the room. Sorry, bass drum rather. Yeah, uh, Pauline said, um, "Need to listen again." Sounds a bit like a filler. Oh no, no. Um, I mean, I uh, I mean, I I think I said to you. It sounds to me like a, a sort of like a stopgap between two big tracks, um, mm-hmm. better than this. And moving on, uh, Perfect Symmetry. Yeah, just, you just need a bit of space, don't you, before a big, huge track, which is what Perfect Symmetry was. Uh, the the band have been really, I hate to use the phrase, bigging it up. But I'm, I've just used the phrase bigging it up, and the band have been saying that this is the, the centrepiece of the record. And after all, they have named the album after this song. Uh, exactly. Um and uh, Gitit Dar, a friend from Israel, she um, she was all in favour of this. Um, she's actually given this infinity points, um, which is quite interesting. <laughs> um, I don't think she means eight. I think she does mean infinity. She says, amazing, I love it. Uh, the piano is so divine. Oh, my gosh. I don't think I can actually repeat that. Um, I think it says cry, but if it says... Well, yeah, I'm going to say it's a Let's, Anyway, moving on, Josephine said, one of the best on the album, an all-round great track, a total winner. See, I really love the uh, the choir comes in. There's a, a sort of a quite a metronomic bit uh, with a choir, um, very rhythmic sort of chanting sort of style. It, it almost reminded me of um, the end of Smokers at the, at the Hospital Door by Editors. Yes, yes. Um, I don't know whether that was what the band were looking for, but I, I, I love that bit. Yeah, I mean, and other people have been saying it, it has a sort of Christmassy feel as well, which is, I mean, it's very classic Keen. The uh, the sort of piano jingly bit, which uh, which just sound a bit Christmassy, I guess. So maybe that's a future single. Yeah, I think there's so many future singles on here. I mean, mm. let's let's go on to uh, "You Don't See Me," which mm-hmm. um, I I love this. Get it, uh, get it, writes uh, liked it. Uh, she gives that eight slash nine out of ten. Um, not not hugely descriptive. And then moving over to Adam, um, he says it's a soaring, timeless song. It's very, very dramatic. Um, it's also got the same title as a Beatles album track, Is This Intentional? Um, which, knowing Tim, possibly not. Yeah, I, I can definitely remember the um, the sort of hook of that, of that song. Still, it's still going around my head after after one or two yeah. listens. So could you, could you hum it for us, Chris? Mm-hmm. I think. Cool. Lovely. So, again and again, um, Pauline here has written, can already hear the crowd singing along. Um, curiously, Adam gave this a six, uh, didn't uh, rate this one, rated it as the worst on the album. 
Um, Ted, there was a big intro, but the piano and beat reminded me a bit too much of uh, This Is The Last Time. A criticism by saying it too, sounds too much like classic Keen. It's exactly, interesting, isn't yeah. it? Um, he says it, it sounds so much like old Keen, and it is a top riff, but haven't they moved on? Well, that's interesting, I think, because uh, you know the people who have been criticising Spiralling have been doing so because it isn't like Keen. Exactly. So not because it's bad, but because and it I, doesn't I, sound I like should Keen. Po- I should point out that Adam absolutely adored Spiralling. I mean, he wrote huge track on here. So, um, you know, maybe the people who like New Keen. Um, would rather they stayed with the new and the people who hark back to the old days don't want them to go anywhere. The thing that struck me is it is a very diverse album, actually, as a whole. Yeah. There's lots of sort of different things in different sections, Pen- even within styles. Songs. Yeah, even within within one song. So so there's definitely a lot going on. Yeah. Um, so, um, playing along, mm-hmm. Get It Here uh, didn't rate this. This was her, her least favourite on the track. Uh, she says, Generally okay, the vol bit is weird. Now, what can you tell me about the vol bit, Chris? As I remember it, there was a, a bit, a repeated vocal bit of uh, turn up the volume. Turn which, up the volume. Which people are going to be chanting along for years to come. Yeah, t- um, that's a, almost a, a mantra, I think. Turn up the volume. Mm-hmm. Something definitely that the band want people to do with this album. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Pauline's written here, actually, want it loud, the light show will be here. So almost, almost getting towards the end there. Pretend that you're alone. Um, again, Git it puts this at six or seven. Uh, she says it was okay, but second listen, I'll give it an eight out of ten. So perhaps a, m- more of a grower. Um, mm. Thank you here. Uh, fun jumping intro. Great, great drumming on here. Very jaunty. Is that a trumpet I can hear? It may well be actually, because uh, our saxophone was what they what they said they were. Getting yeah, they in, said so. they did have uh, they did have uh, a saxophonist in. Yeah, I, I really like this track, actually. It was sort of uh, a very sort of bouncy, uh, you know, light-hearted, keen track, which I, I just I just loved the whole vibe of. Yeah, I can remember you, you related it to a, a feeder track called Find the Colour, which yeah. is a, a big, bouncy, uh, almost right at the end of, uh, I think it's Comfort and Sound that it's mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah, I think this was the one that started with the lyrics, um, We Are the Monkeys Falling Out of the Trees. Yes. Which is uh, an interesting lyric. Oh, we were. You, you, you wouldn't expect it from Tim, would you? I... I I giggled a bit, I did. Yeah, and there was another line, was it the grass or the worms? I, I wish I'd taken notes about this. Oh, it was something about us being children of the grass. Or something. It was it, it, it was, um, it was amusing. Yeah, and, and I think they weren't taking themselves too seriously when they wrote that. Yeah. It's, it's great that they can, you know, do silly lyrics and, you know, not just, you know, the... Um, so, so long as I think other people take that in the spirit, otherwise I think it could yeah. end up being something that is used against them in the future. No, I, I, I think this is, a, you know, a, a, I think this is a good angle to go with, really. So, um, Black yeah. Burning Heart. Yeah. Uh, La Française. Yeah, the the key thing in this was the um, French bit, which yes. we'd heard a little bit about. But the thing that struck me was it wasn't French singing. There was, it was Tom rather seductively speaking French. Le pompe de special sauce. Le mon sac. Il y a une règle. That sort of thing. Yes. Um, the second time we played it, I did notice a few people standing near the speakers, straining to hear the uh, you know the exact words that Tom was saying. Yeah. But unfortunately, we couldn't pick it out because it's quite low in the mix. But um, I'm sure people will be you know um, plugging the headphones straight in for that one. And yeah, d- w- desperate to desperate to get the um, the transcription of that. Um, get it. Uh, gave this one top marks. She did have a nine. Crossed that and gave it a ten. Uh, she says loved it. Amazing. Nothing else to say. Beautiful. And so, the last track, which admittedly we had heard before, but this 
was the first chance that people had had to hear it all the way through in its fullest sense and with a little mirror ball in the venue as well. It, it's, it's a lovely way to finish the album, isn't it? Beautiful song. Um, yeah. every, everybody loves uh, Love Is The End. I probably shouldn't say this, but I, I, I did hear that one person broke down in tears at the end because, I mean, and if yeah, that's just I, from um, hearing the album in a crowded room with strangers, then, yeah, you know, I, there have, were, there have, were, have the tissues to hand. Yeah, there were a couple of people who, who broke down. I think it was just an example of how, how emotionally invested people were in the album by the end. Um, even even uh, Adam has this as, uh, as eight and a half. A uh, lovely way to end the album. Um, a very production-based album, all in all. But yeah, th- I think this was the song that featured the uh, musical saw as well. Yeah. well. I couldn't quite tell if it was str- uh, a cello or a musical saw, but Mark seems to think it was a musical saw. Well, I, th- I think Mark seems to know because Tim wrote Tim to tell him that it's a musical saw. I think we'll take Tim's <laughs> word on that. Um, um, one interesting thing Josephine said about this actually was um, love that the piano is so centralised to the song. It's interesting actually. There aren't many keen songs since. Um, What's that very, very old B-side that the piano is actually played on the keyboard with a sample piano sound? Um, it's just piano and Tom's voice. Come on, help me out here. It was uh, The Way You Want It. The Way You Want It strikes me as possibly being the last time that the band had a real piano-centric, clean piano sound right at the centre of a song of theirs, if you see what I mean. Yeah, and, and after all the synths and, you know, the, the choirs and musical saws and saxophones, it was quite nice to get sort of back to basics with, the, you know, a classic Keane Pianos yeah. track, and which, it, which is, you know... and It it's quite swells ni- and it's beautiful. And it's, it's quite nice in a way as well, because they've done all this experimenting, but then at the end going, oh, you want classic Keane? Here you go, it, have, it, have the best classic Keane song ever written. And at the same time, I mean, it's, it's the best... Um, I, if... if if Tom were to ever hear this described as such, he'd probably die of happiness. But it's um, one of the best songs that Rufus Wainwright never committed to a, a CD. Absolutely, it's it's a very kind of Rufus track, and I can I can imagine it um, sometime being played with a full orchestra. If he yeah. never get the opportunity, that's if, if only they were doing that in the next few weeks. Eh? If only. Um, <laughs> um, so we haven't had a, we haven't heard anyone say. A bad word about uh, about the night so far, or, or indeed this record. Although, Where if we... you've got any comments about the night and, and how you didn't <laughs> enjoy it, be on the INC at gmail.com. Um, those are the opinions of, uh, of some of our guests. Um, we're going to hold on to these questionnaires and read out more of these in the next few episodes. Um, and if you did give us a questionnaire and you change your mind about anything, or you uh, get the album in a couple of weeks' time and you want to send us your thoughts, what we'll do is we'll compare your thoughts on the night to what you think now and I think that'll be quite interesting but I guess we'll do that in the next few weeks With the band playing up the influence of Berlin on the new record we thought it'd be a really nice idea to bring someone from the city over to hear the album So we flicked through our address books and settled on an old friend of ours and the band's she used to help the band with their forum, and she's since gone on to present her own show on Radio Act 91 and DJ on the club scene in Berlin. Welcome to the squat, Esther Müller-Reichenwalner. Hello, nice to be here. So, um, first of all then, Esther, um, friend of the band for some time. Yeah, actually for, I think, uh, five years maybe now. And um, I assume you, you probably your favourite record might be you know, 
hopes and fears? It is. It definitely is. I, I like, um, as I, I can say, I'm a very old fan of the old Keen and not of the new Keen. So, when you heard about the band going to Berlin, having had two very different albums, one of the old Keen, one of what is ostensibly the new Keen, what did you think about them, them coming over to Berlin? I think it might be quite a good idea because Berlin has a quite good music scene and definitely has a good vibe to it. If you go there, you just feel that it is a good place to be creative. Mm, and this is something that the band have said, that just being in a city with, uh, with all night bars, with places where you can go and see people... Um, and with it, all its history on it as well, mm. in it as well. It's um, something that was really inspiring. Um, now, you came along on Thursday night to, um, to our, our night. Um, having heard the record through now, albeit only twice, um, could you pick out anything in there which you, you felt was really influenced by the city or, or surroundings? I, I'm, I'm not really sure about that, but I think Berlin right now is quite an electronic city, eclectic city, and has... Um, like incorporate a lot of the, a lot of these uh, new wave kind of things so uh, if they went out in the city and went to bars and clubs they would have heard something like this and um, so I, it might be something like this that went into the album but first of all I just think that Berlin is good to, to just clear your mind and then go from there so mm. that might be just something that Keen brought with them and then just um, uh, managed to get it out in the city like Berlin it's funny that you said about this, um, the electronic music um, that you'd hear a lot in the city, um, that the band had um, Stuart Price, who for a long time was, uh, was Madonna's sort of musical director, um, and now sort of makes his name as, as the, uh, the Thin White Duke, um, as a, a remixer, specialising in sort of electronic things on board. Um, you think these two sort of things went sort of hand in hand? having the electronic influence within Berlin? Well, definitely, if um, if Stuart is now more into this electronic things, that's more what he wants to hear, so probably that's mo that's the way he would push the band into. Uh, but I don't really know if it was his di di directioning or if it was just the band. Yeah. So was there anything on the record that y you didn't like? Well, I'm, I'm all probably the only person that didn't like better than this. Um, I thought this was quite a weak track and uh, for, for the second thing that I didn't like about the album is the track listing. I think it could have been lots lots better, a little bit better. Do you, do you think it was loaded in any way? Do you think it was loaded towards the front or the back? Mm, no, it actually uh, got better in the end. Um, or at least, at least that's my opinion. Um, but I thought that between um, "You Don't See Me," which is quite an, uh, um, quite a slow track, and "Again and Again," which is for me like one of the best tracks. Mm. For me, it has like a "Can't Stop Now" feeling to it, um, which starts off really, really um, energetic. So I thought this is quite of a awful break. In between, it could have been a bit smoother, but maybe yeah. that's because I like um, it, things fading into each other and having like a red line to follow it. You felt like there was no, there was no flow. Yeah, a, a little bit, but that might have been as well because there were like breaks in between the songs. So maybe when you hear the whole album in one bit without pauses, then it might be better. But uh, for for now, I stand for my opinion. To my opinion. And so, so your favorites. No, my favorite definitely uh, again and again, and uh, love is the end, which is a not maybe not a perfect last track, but it definitely is my favorite track so far. 
It's what we were just saying about Love is the End being very old style keen. Do you think that because it was old style keen, that's why it was one of your favourites? No, it just had a powerful melody and it has so many great bits in it that you just cannot not love it. Yeah. So, um, thank you very much for coming over, Esther. Thank you um, coming, uh, very much for having me and it was a great evening. Thank you too for organising this and yes. for putting it together. Um, I think the band should be proud of having you too. Oh, that's really sweet, Esther. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Esther. And we hope to see you back at Squat sometime soon. I, I will definitely come back. <laughs> Cheers. Evenings As you may have heard, we produced two very limited edition t-shirts for the event featuring two of our favourite true facts. And we have a small number of these left over from the event that we'd love to put on sale to the rest of you guys. Yeah, so once they've all been sold, they won't be reprinted, so this is the only chance to pick one of these up. Um, first off, um, we're offering to bring these along to anyone who's attending the Kentish Town Forum show on Monday, that's in London, or the Electric Prom show at Coco on October 23rd. Drop us an email and let us know which size you'd like. Pictures of both on the website and we'll bring one along in your chosen size for you. Now, if you do this, we'll charge you just £10 for the privilege of owning this world-class piece of apparel. Yep, but if you can't get to London, we'll also be selling them online in the next few days. Details of this to follow, but they'll cost just £15 and that will include postage and packaging to anywhere in the world. Wow, that's good value, isn't it? Isn't that just? <laughs> yeah, so if you want a shirt, email us at beyondtheinc at gmail.com as soon as possible. Evenings And that was an evening with Beyond the INC. Yeah, we've got a lot of people we'd like to thank for helping the night come together. Um, first off, uh, the obvious ones, Adam, uh, Beth and our friends in the band for giving us the go-ahead for this. Yep, Island Records, especially Scoot, John and Jason. Uh, Stuart and Amy at 229, um, plus Ed, who ran our tech so well. Yep, Rog at Shirty Something and Mandy Brendel for putting the shirts together. And finally, Hannah... Banky, Jen and Mark for helping everything run so smoothly on the night. Yep, and finally, thanks to you guys, the people who came along and made it such an awesome night. It really was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, if, if no one had come, it would have been pretty awful. Um, so again, thank you. Uh, thanks for coming. Yeah. We'll be back in the next few days to round up Keane's live return at the forum. And we'll also be debuting a brand new feature that will hopefully make you laugh like Richard being presented with an animal costume. But until then, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. <laughs> <laughs>